Robert, I don't think this is very funny. Bobby. Who is this? As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Or as I like to think of it, I was a teenage Freddy Krueger. Starring Mark Patton, Kim Myers, Robert Russler, Clue Gulliger, Hope Lang, and Robert England. Directed by Jack Shoulder, released in 1985, less than a year after the other one came out, on a budget of $3 million, grossed 29.9 at the box office. 29.9 million, I should say, at the box office. So... Uh, you know, comes out less than a year after the first. First you time. They, you think they had an idea they were going to do a number two here? No, uh, it was the it was the success of the first one that moved it into production quickly. Uh, Robert Shea really says that. Fast. Yeah, Bob Shea said quickly. Uh, we wanted to get something out there, and they went with a first time screenwriter here. It, they loved the draft of what he had, and said yeah we'll go with it and you know jack shoulder had directed a few of the things at that point i've only seen one of his other films wishmaster 2 it's awful uh but it is kind of <laughs> it is kind of funny because there's a scene where uh the wishmaster basically makes the worst things come true that you could wish for and a guy in prison says i wish my lawyer would screw himself and the lawyer comes to visit him oh, and you see, the, you see the legs sort of comically turn around and screw the lawyer which is hilarious uh, but it's dumb it's it's dumb but i distinctly remember seeing this on video now when it came out i didn't see it in theaters but my dad and i had both liked that first nightmare on elm street and so mm-hmm. when we saw this one in in the video cassette aisle he said yeah let's try that and we both watched it and i remember giving up on freddy after this for like 10 years like i didn't watch another freddy sequel until new nightmare and it wasn't until after that, after New Nightmare, when I was in college, that I went back and watched three, four, five, and, and I didn't see six until years later. So, uh, yeah, it is. It, I, there was something about this one that, I don't know, I guess I expected more of the same, and it, it certainly doesn't give us that, I don't think. It, it switches a lot of stuff, and... yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't remember what it was that I didn't like about it initially. Yeah, I think it's the the way that the first one ended. You expected it to pick up where it left off, and it didn't. It just kind of flashed forward. I agree with that. I think it, it is some of my Halloween 2 coming in there that I, I kind of thought, well, that's what they'll do because that's what the smart ones do. And, and then they, you know, they clearly didn't. And they did something Friday the 13th didn't even do because Friday the 13th was notorious for just picking up right where it left off too. And this one didn't do that. It's, it's a new story. 
or I thought at the time, well, it's going to be a new story each time with Freddy in it, which isn't a terrible idea in and of itself. But I, uh, I wasn't sure this was the way I wanted it to go. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't latch onto this one. And it was years later when I rewatched it that I developed any kind of appreciation for it. Yeah. And I never saw this one in the, you know, like we, we've already talked about before. Um, we kind of picked up after that new nightmare came out. We kind of picked up the box set from the store and then watched them in order. So I never had that experience. I never watched the first one and got hooked on it and then watched the second one and got disappointed. I just kind of went through them all. So this is just one of the blips on there. I remember thinking, well, this is kind of weird that we're we're going to go into a whole different story. And then when you see number two or three and you're like, um, okay. So, yeah, it just felt weird. But yes. I didn't have that same experience because I didn't watch them when they came out. I just kind of, you know, went with everything in order. Right, yeah, because you picked into the, the series late. And, and this may be the smarter way to have done it. Like I said, I don't know that I was even so much disappointed as I just, I didn't really uh, get what I liked out of it. And again, at that point, I'd kind of staked my claim in, in Slasherdom. And I also, at that point in life, I didn't think there would ever be another Halloween film. Because there were three, and I thought that was all I was ever going to have, and I was left with the silver shamrock cult and scratching my head, <laughs> you know. So I mean, I you know I didn't know that I'd ever get another one, but those first two, I was like, yes, these are the you know great. And I, there was a Friday the Thirteenth like every twelve minutes it seemed like. So, you know, I thought, well, I can I can always pick up on those later. But right. no, this this one is definitely different. And I made that joke in the opening that I call this, you know, I was a teenage Freddy Krueger. I actually went back and watched the old nineteen fifty seven Michael Landon starring I was a teenage Teenage Werewolf, because I had been told before that if you watch that film and then watch this one, you, you get a different appreciation for it. And oh my stars, that is exactly correct. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm gonna talk about it in this. I, I'll actually give a, a slide review of I Was a Teenage Werewolf because there's so much whether intended or just the magic of synchronicity uh, that happens that is so um, common between those two films. I, it's it's amazing to me. I assume you've never seen the Teenage Werewolf film. No, I have not. It's on YouTube for free. It's an hour and ten minutes. It's totally worth the investment in it. You know, especially if you like old like B-roll monster picks and stuff. It's you could watch it with your kids, man. Like it, they would probably think it's hilarious. So, but uh, it, anyway, it's uh, especially if like they've ever seen Michael Landon and anything else because it's so weird to watch him not be like this you know master angel hum angel human <laughs> being like the greatest human that ever lived right or right. whatever but but uh you know he's 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 most definitely trying to do james dean or something in that movie but anyway yeah, um yeah well i think before we go any further though a plot summary would do as well so brian do us the honors tell us what happens in freddie's revenge oh joy jesse walsh and his family have moved into nancy thompson's home five years after the events of the first film and Jesse is plagued by nightmares of Freddy Krueger, who says he needs Jesse for some, quote, special work. Jesse's nightmares worsen, and sure enough, bodies start piling up, including his gym teacher. When Jesse feels Freddy start to take over while he and his would-be girlfriend, Lisa, are making out at a pool party, he runs to his friend Grady's place, where Freddy emerges and slaughters him. Lisa realizes Jesse's fears are feeding Freddy, but they can't stop Freddy from coming out and attacking the pool party goers. Lisa and Freddy face off at an abandoned factory, and when she professes her love for Jesse, aww, he is able to defeat Freddy, who crumbles to ashes, allowing Jesse to be free. 
As Jesse and Lisa and some friends are taking the bus to school the next day, Jesse starts to notice a familiarity to the scene and an earlier nightmare. Lisa calms him down, and just when all seems normal, Freddy kills one of the friends and drives the bus into a field just as the opening nightmare began. And that is our plot summary for A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Yeah, lots of things to start talking about with this one. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is the name of the film. Freddy's Revenge doesn't seem like Freddy's Revenge to me. Does it seem like Freddy's Revenge to you? I have struggled with the name of this forever, and the only thing I think that that it exists for is I think I have no document of this. I couldn't find any proof of it anywhere, but I kind of feel like that's a studio thing to go. You know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are the Freddy movies, and they kind of wanted to put that out there because what Bobby, it, what Bob Shea, the, the producer, realized is that his star was Robert England, not mm-hmm. Nancy, not anything. And, and the other thing was, I want the same house and I want the same bad guy back. And so the revenge part, I think, comes from two things. The studio wanting to remind people who Freddy was. And then the the fact that it's supposed to be five years later. We've got Nancy's diary all over this. And this is how Freddy's going to get revenge is he's going to come back. But instead of attacking people through their dreams, this time he's going with the possession angle. Yeah, see, um, t- to, me, yeah. to me, Freddy's revenge is every movie. Like, right. he it's, was murdered. The first one was his revenge. Get, yeah, he was murdered, and he's getting his revenge by attacking people in their nightmares, right? Right. So, to me, that's Freddy's revenge. So This doesn't make any sense. If he's trying to re- get vengeance for what Nancy did to him by turning her back on him I, and, the, and really didn't do anything because, as we saw at the <laughs> end of the first film, didn't really vanquish him. So what's his revenge for? I, I just don't understand. I can also say that this was a time in horror movies when if you had a number, you needed a colon with like a, another title underneath it. Like all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, Freddy's Back or Freddy Returns. Well, they'll get to they'll get to just leaving with <laughs> Freddy later on. But I mean, nineteen eighty five was right after the fourth uh, Friday the Thirteenth film had come out, and it was just billed as Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. You know, and yeah, then the next so one was going to be that. called, and the next one was going to be called A New Beginning, which they already knew about. And so, uh, I mean, you know, they, they, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, they were looking for something. This is what horror movies did at the time, is they all had a, a title after the thing. I mean, Hellraiser 2 did that, except it just reversed it. It went Hellbound Hellraiser 2, you know, instead of the other way around. But either way, it was the same. They were just trying to remind people what it was. I'm with you. Every movie's Freddy's Revenge, in my thought. Um, this is the only time, though, I think we see him pull this thing. And that you know, and you may think, well, what the heck's this got to do with your teenage werewolf comparison, Jay? Because that's not possession. Well, in the teenage werewolf movie, it kind of is because it, it's a doctor working behind the scenes who has some unscrupulous uh, scientific methods and stuff like that that essentially infects this kid to see what it would do to him, basically, and he uses him to also like prove a point. It's almost like he makes the monster to, to prove to a point of how you know bad humankind is or whatever. This is in 1957 too. I mean, holy cow, think about nowadays what you'd do uh, if you thought it was bad then. But uh, the, the, the idea here is we're going to flip the script on the normal horror movie. We're not going to have the damsel in distress. We're going to have the dude in distress. And for the most part, what we see, we see a lot of Freddy on screen, but I feel like what we're seeing is a young man who is possessed by this dream demon guy to commit 
violent acts and murder upon the people around him so that he can take him over. This is the part I wanted to ask you is what's Freddy's end game here? Because will he get to be corporeal again? If you know, uh, Jesse kills enough people or is it just for a few laughs? Cause he's, you know, been bored for five years. Well, to me, it seems like if he, as it progresses, he does kind of become more corporeal as Jesse falls further and further into the, you know, into into Freddy's nightmare, right? Right. Uh, I think I think the moment kind of of, of mm-hmm. corporealism is in Grady's room, like we talked about, which we'll talk about that scene because it's amazing. But yeah, I, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, because he, uh, you know, Jesse basically ends up in a shell of Freddy. Right now, I don't know. I think for me, the whole point for Freddy is that he wanted to kill again. That's his mo. He likes to kill. Um, so he had to find a way to be able to kill. And I guess maybe when Nancy turned her back on him, he lost all his dream power. So now he actually needs a physical presence to do it for him. I don't <laughs> hey, know. you notice how they totally ignored that idea? Like there's no reference of Nancy's diary entry. Like tonight I'm going to turn my back on him. Like well, even... there may have been, but she didn't see it. <laughs> well, even they realized like, well, that was, we don't need to remind people of how bad that <laughs> ending was. Let's, let's not do that. Let's, let's try and do, you know, something that we'll just let it be that Nancy knows that I, you know, I'm the one that's feeding him through my fears. Cause that's a line that Lisa gets and that's how she figures out, you know, you got to stop being afraid of him. And then I guess she does the love conquers all thing. I had a yeah, moment yeah, though. I have, I have problems with that, but we'll, well get we're going to, gonna, we're going to get there, but I just had this moment remembering the end of Buffy season six and a conversation we had a couple of years ago. We're going to come back to that, though, so just, just hold that <laughs> thought, because now I know Joss Whedon totally ripped that off, too. But anyway, uh, and he's probably in the first one. But let's talk about the opening of this, though, the opening nightmare. You know, the, these movies open on a nightmare, and I got to say, I loved the opening nightmare in the first movie. I thought it was creepy. It was unexplained. This one got a lot more details, but it's just as creepy and weird. Like, the bus driver drives the off they're on suburbia and all of a sudden they're in the friggin grand canyon which <laughs> is is awesome and i love that it gets stuck on that one little piece and then freddie's coming back for you know the girls and and jesse in the back and he wakes up drenched in sweat and screaming i really like the opening nightmare i thought it was pretty good too it was it was definitely interesting um i, I like how they went from the same the same thing they went from the in the middle of town suburban town and all of a sudden he just kind of goes off road and it's you're in cactusville and, and yeah and barren <laughs> desert and boom yeah i thought that was kind of i thought it was pretty good um but yeah, I like the opening scene as well. I thought they did a good job with that, uh, introducing Freddy back into things and giving you kind of an idea of what we're going to see as far as people and who our uh, uh, main character is going to be right off the bat, which was nice. Because as you remember, mm-hmm. in the first Nightmare, we did not meet our main character um, right away. Right, right. It opens up with the the first kill, as it were. Let's. Do, what do you make of Jesse here and Mark Patton? There's a lot on the internet written about this character and the characterization and what's going on here. But just looking at it again, and and it's been a while since I had seen this one too. Watching it, I gotta say. I, you know, he vacillates between overacting and doing it just enough to make this convincing in a lot of ways. I I buy him as an angst-ridden teenager most of the time. No, I agree. I think he did a pretty decent job with that. Uh, he sweats a lot. That's pretty weird. Um, <laughs> a lot. Now, hey, look, d- Dad keeps it hot in that house, man. Apparently. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think anyone keeps it that hot. But, uh, you know, I, I think... Um, for me, I thought he did a, a decent job. I, I mean, he sold the the 
struggle that he was going through pretty well. Um, the only thing I thought was funny was when he was he, he and Grady kept getting in trouble with the gym teacher because he was this really like hundred pounds soaking wet wimp, and Grady was this nice you know normal toned builder type guy, and yet he was holding up his own with him. It just seemed odd. I, you know that is funny, and I like got this feeling off of Grady that like he could have been Rod Lane's younger brother. Or something like he even looks like the dude, right? He's got that dark hair does, yeah. and he's tan and he's, you know, yeah. But on the other hand, Grady may be the best, like nicest guy in the world because he takes a lot of crap from Jesse, and and he just tells him he's like, dude, I'm just I'm just messing with you, and you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I you remember that like at guys growing up, like part of the way guys relate to each other is they just scrap with each other sometimes. It's just what you do, you know, you don't necessarily go out to, you know, really hurt each other, but you'll, you'll get into it with your buddies sometimes. And Grady even tells him sometimes like, I don't know, man, I was bored. You know, like he's, just, right. he's, just, he's just messing with him. And I, I thought that was funny. And I, and I liked the Grady character, but I, I like Jesse here in, in pieces. And I think there's times when it's a little much, it's a little over the top, but my favorite thing is, is his little sister who is like, why can't Jesse wake up like normal people? And, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I was like, that is hilarious, you know, cause it, it, you get the, you get a different family dynamic this time around too. Like the parents seem to be such a part of the story last time. And we talked about that and here they seem to drop out of the story about two thirds of the way through. Well, yeah, and basically they're just setting up the fact that he is going through a rough time and his parents aren't kind of oblivious to it, right? I mean, at least well, his dad is. They're the typical 80s after-school special parents, right? Like, I want to know what <laughs> drugs you're on and who sold them to you, son. That's all I want to know, you know? And, and I, I did get a kick out of, like, how Leave it to Beaver dad and mom seem to be and how the rest of their house is very much not. You know, Jesse's listening to cheesy new wave pop and he he wears hip clothes and i mean he drives a junker car but he drives his own vehicle and right uh which i mean rich girl lisa doesn't even have a car so i mean that's that's kind of the cool thing i don't know i i liked them but i sort of wondered if they just ran out of stuff to do with them or maybe the actors said i'm only doing this for like two weeks and they, <laughs> they went on to do other things well, they the probably adults. only had two weeks to do it anyway this is true they were time. doing they were doing this quickly you're right so and they're not the point the point is jesse and we get a great dream early where freddie peels his scalp back to show the pulsing brain it's the one thing i've always remembered about this movie from having seen it when i was younger and the whole we've got special work to do line and i i wrote that down and i was like well what work do you want him to do because this is the thing is that freddie never bothers to really explain what he wants it's i guess it's obvious that he wants he, he says a few times kill for me um yeah which which i did you know have flashbacks to halloween six kill for him danny kill for him you know and, and all of that but i i don't know it just it, it sort of rang weird it's um because everything that Jesse does in here, everybody he goes after is someone in his life that in some way or another could be seen as an adversary in some way, particularly the coach. Like that one makes, I mean, you, you want to see that guy get it. He's <laughs> such a jerk. I mean, that's what they're Jeez. setting up, right? And that's where the teenage werewolf thing comes in. It's like one of the guys that picks on, you know, Michael Landon ultimately gets it, you know, because he, he can't control the werewolfness and all this stuff. But he, he didn't just pick it randomly. It was a, it was a target that meant something to him and all this. And I kind of felt like the same thing was going on with Jesse here uh, early on. Well, let's talk a little bit about these the dream. You know, I, I wrote a few things down here. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, they did a really good job recreating that that outdoor 
um, scene where he was r- walking around. It looked a lot like when Tina was out walking around. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was done pretty well. Um, I like that they showed um, him go look in the ba- in the de- basement, and there's Freddy pulling his knives out of the out of the boiler or the the is it the boiler or fire? It, it's the furnace. The, the furnace. furnace. Yeah, pulling it out of there. I thought that was really cool. Um, Try them on for size. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing I noticed, you know, besides Jesse sweating a lot, was um, Freddie's voice when he's talking. You've got the body and I've got the brain. He sounds a lot like Jesse the Body Ventura. Boy, I did not notice that. Oh, I've my gosh. Never I was like, caught is Jesse that. the Body in this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have never thought that. But that's a that's a great pull to think about. But, yeah, Freddie does get a lot more talky. In yeah. this one. And we know like where the series is going. That's going to be a, a hallmark of it going forward. But they did give him actual lines and dialogue and stuff to do besides I'm going to kill you slow. Hey, look at this. You know, the last time he really didn't say much. You know, now you die. And then he disappeared. This time he's having whole dialogues with Jesse. And he's this internal thing, I guess, that, that we're supposed to see. Because everyone else, of course, can't see Freddy, but Jesse sees Freddy everywhere. Yeah. And he and he's also having nightmares like in the daytime. You know, he's daydreaming, right? He's he's because he can't sleep at night. He's sleeping in class and like he dreams the boa constrictor in the science class wraps mm-hmm. around him and then he wakes and up and was. the friggin' snakes on him. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like Freddy is like screwing around and doing a lot of stuff in this one. It's it's weird. And my thought was, is he just trying to drive Jesse crazy? Is that it? Well, I think that's part of it because he's got to get him uh, in the right mindset to take over, right? I mean, you have to do something to... I guess you got to weaken him enough. He's got to make him believe um, what he wants him to. So he's doing something. I, I think it's kind of cool. So my question is, as as we we get move into this movie a little more and Freddy starts attacking people, because at this point he hasn't really attacked anyone per se. The coach is still alive yet. Um as he keeps moving forward, is it Jesse committing these acts? And are the people who are dying seeing Jesse do this? Or do they see Freddy? That's my thought, is that the deaths that you see, the the attacks, are Jesse doing it. We, the audience, get to see Freddy because we know Freddy has possessed him. But yeah. it's actually Jesse. So let's talk about the, the coach thing. How that, because that's the, that's the big kill that we can talk about. This let's movie's... talk about the coach. This guy has got to have a lot of stroke with the school (laughs) because he is allowed to punish these kids all freaking day. Well, enough to miss classes. Like what the hell? It is it is wild, right? Like Grady and and Jesse get into a scrap during a softball game because they're jawing at each other, and it it was actually kind of funny. You know that whole heads up back and forth with them and the, you know they're whipping each other and so he makes them assume the position which means you know do some push-ups in the dirt it was and, more a plank yeah like they were having to yeah they were planking all day and so they were out there and then he's like hit the showers and you know they they have to run the next day you know that's the next time you see him in gym class they're running and all this stuff and he clearly is is in for it and Grady even says you know this guy's got it in for you or whatever and he drops a line about the coach that the coach likes to go to those weird S&M places downtown and stuff I didn't and I missed that yes he I, says I, I it was... on the playground with him basically and yeah. because later on when Jesse is doing one of this is after the Freddy peeled head dream I think it's the next dream he has 
he walks downtown into one of those bars barefoot wearing a you know a nightshirt and jeans basically is all he's got on he walks into that bar and it's the you know it's your typical leather bar portrayal and he sits there and he's ordering a beer which you know the guy didn't even bother to card him right and Why so would you? He, one of those I guess, I guess you don't you don't ask any questions if you're working that bar, right? And so Jesse's about to drink that up, and then the coach slams his fist down next to him. Is like, okay, come with me, and he makes him run laps around the gym barefoot while he's still in like full leather gear. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that is, was so, so, okay. So I wish I would have heard the S and M line because it would have made, made a more whole sense. lot more sense to oh. me when that happened because when that happened I was just like what in the hell <laughs> yes yeah if you miss that line I can understand why you would be confused <laughs> and maybe as a young kid I didn't know what that was and so I didn't understand what was happening here either other than the gym teacher was making him run was, and I yeah have, my note from the gym teacher was these guys are planking so much they should have six packs <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> well, they both are pretty well built. They're kind of wiry, and, but and they're let's built. Just, so. Let's just talk about the name of, of the of the S and M place. Did you catch it? No. What is Dom's place? Oh, <laughs> nice. <awesome. laughs> that is awesome. I wrote in my notes because I missed that whole line. I wrote Dom's place. Sounds classy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Not not quite. So. As Jesse is in the showers, right, the so, coach is, like, cleaning up his office and straightening stuff up, and the balls start to attack him. Yeah, from, no. And you can see the air cannons behind them shooting them out. It was awesome. Can I just ask one question? Yeah. What kind of jurisdiction does the coach have at the, at the, uh, the Dominator bar? <laughs> he must be, like, enforcer. If or I'm something, Jesse, so. am I caring what the hell he says? Am I going to run laps because my coach told me to? I, I took that completely as you you encounter an authority figure, you uh, do what the authority figure says. Look, Jesse is not a rebel. That's the thing. They paint him as this, he's this rebellious teenager, and he's really not. He is possessed by Freddy, and he's screwed up by the whole that whole experience, and that's why he's doing what he's doing, but it's not because he's a bad kid. It's not like you know he got the bad kid and turned him bad. This he's a good kid, so I don't. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was funny, but the the coach gets attacked by all the stuff, and then he gets wrapped up by the jump ropes. Yeah, as all the shower heads are coming on, strapped up to the side of it, and he gets cut to ribbons by Freddy. Well, he gets but, whipped first by a towel. Well, he get, yeah. Yeah, he gets whipped by towels to the point that he is bleeding from the backside. I'm like, that's a heck of a whip with the towel. And hey, those then, wet towels hurt, man. I I am glad I don't know that. So, <laughs> um, but you don't one go of the to Dom's place. No, I don't. <laughs> one of the advantages of being tall and <laughs> in high school is people just assumed that they shouldn't mess with you. And I was uh, also friends with like all the the tough football players. And I'm going to tell you, it, you just be friends with everybody, folks. It pays off in a lot of ways. Probably kept me from a lot of bullying that I probably deserved. But anyway, <laughs> the coach gets whipped and then he gets cut up by the Freddy glove. Uh, and he's dead, and we see we see Freddie do it on screen. But when it pans away, it's Jesse standing there, can, can I you're just, covered in blood and the glove, and he's just screaming his head off. Can I just? Uh, he's not screaming at first. At first, he's looking very confused, and yeah. like he was watching this the whole time, like what what's going, and not doing a thing. And I think that's what we're to led to believe is that he thinks he just watched this and oh, then yeah. realizes he did. 
It was crazy. But you're right. Yeah, he's covered in blood. And, uh, of course, the next scene that we get is he's being dropped back off at his his house by the cops who have, who have right. you know, been there. Now, how, why they didn't arrest his ass? Not quite sure. He was walking naked, and they, they found a minor walking naked. He told them where they lived, and they just took him back I, home, I and they said keep a short that he leash was in the showers, him. you know. Yeah, well, I mean, he no, they found him on the road, like no, on I know, the highway. But he got all the blood yeah. off. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he, you know, the rain in the shower had washed off all the blood, so he just looked like he was strung out on something. Because at this point, and this is one of the best things in the film, is they do a good job of sh- kind of showing you Jesse go downhill as he gets less and less sleep, and he's tormented by these nightmares and stuff, the dark mm-hmm. circles, and he starts to look, you know, he starts, you know, overindulging in caffeine. They did and do stuff. a good job with that. They made him look really exhausted and tired. Yeah, the, they the never make- did with Nancy. I don't think. No, they didn't. the The makeup worked much better on him, and and so it was an upgrade for sure. Maybe the budget helped with that. It was a it was a doubling of the budget, you know, more than doubling really. But no, they I thought they did well with that. But I liked the fact that how his parents reacted to this because they have two totally different reactions. You know, mom is very nurturing, like, let me just take care of you. You know, we'll figure it out in the morning. And dad's like, I just got, I just got two questions for you, son. He like brushes his hair off of his face. <laughs> like he's trying to relate to him. This is after he's been a total dick to him, like three or four times. <laughs> and and then he says, uh, you know, who, what drugs are you on? <laughs> Who'd you get them from? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I thought, well, what are you going to do? Go over to their house and talk to their parents? I mean, I guess it was the, the 80s and what people did, but it, it was funny to me. I actually laughed at it. Well, and it's even better the next day because the, he's out there actually finally taking the bars off the windows that um, Nancy's mom had put up in the first episode. I thought that was kind of a fun little. Well, yeah, it looks like there. he was looked like he was putting them back up. No, no, he's <laughs> actually removing them because they were. Already oh on the wow! House. So he oh. was removing the bars from the windows, and uh, he uh, Jesse comes out to go to school, and the uh, the mom makes a comment. Uh, that boy needs something. I can't remember what it was. And the, the father says, no, he needs a methadone clinic. Now, a methadone <laughs> clinic is for people who are heroin addicts trying to get off heroin. And they use methadone because it has the same synthetic makeup but doesn't give you the high. Very interesting. Gotta love dad. He's automatically thinking drugs. You know, it's, it's always the drugs. Not just drugs. But- Heroin, like, heroin, yeah, <laughs> like a drug. hardcore drug. Like he's hanging out with Motley Crue backstage at this point. Exactly, you know, at eighty-five. Yeah, he would have been one of the roadies at that. Point. Nikki uh, Six is shooting him up. Point being, he rolls into school, and of course, he has no idea what's going down. And Grady meets him and is like, "Snyder got wasted," and I just laughed at that line. I was like, "Yes, it is so. This movie is so eighties; it hurts no sometimes." Way. And that line is great. He's like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, man, he got killed." And of course, Jesse is freaking out because he's like, "That look on his face is like, oh wow, that wasn't just a dream." That and happened, we don't even get yeah. to, yeah, we don't even get to see him tell Lisa. We just see her reaction to it later. Like, well, just because you dreamed it doesn't mean that, you know, you did it or something like that. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I was there. And it, this is when you start to really either you're going to get on Jesse's side or you're not. Because even the girl who wants to be on his side and, of course, his goofy friend who is you know, too dumb to really know what's going on most of the time. <laughs> even the girl like can't figure out what he's talking about. And he feels so isolated. And I, I don't know. I like the vulnerability that that shows because. Freddy is winning at this point. That, this yeah. is the thing is that most of these slasher films operate with the guy behind a tree or in the shadows or something like that. Not someone pressing an agenda. 
Freddy's moving an agenda for like, no, I'm going to isolate this guy. I'm going to tear him down and then I'm going to emerge through him or whatever. And yeah. I, I thought, you know, it's it's smarter than your average slasher film. That's what I'm saying. No, I don't disagree. And then at this point, I think we do need to start talking about Lisa because we kind of been brushing her in here and there. But she um, obviously is the girlfriend of Jesse or wants to be the girlfriend of Jesse. I don't know that they officially were at the beginning. But right. uh, the, she's the one who wants to be the girlfriend. She f- uh, happens to find uh, Je- uh, Nancy's diary when she comes over. They were supposed to go out and dad made him go clean out his room because um, he hadn't unpacked yet, which right. I thought was a very 80s scene taken right out of uh, Risky Business or something. As or fa- Ferris Bueller or one yeah, of those. Yeah. Unpacking his room, turns on the horrible 80s song and just starts uh, doing some dancing while he's unpacking. Anyway, so Lisa comes over to help unpack because they were supposed to go out and obviously he never showed and didn't bother calling her to let her know. So she just shows up at his house (laughs) and and, uh, comes to help and she ends up finding Nancy's diary. And so they're sitting there looking through it and she, she starts reading from it and that's when Jesse realizes that Nancy has ha- had the same nightmares that he's having and they put two he puts two and two together and so he starts reading some more of it and then she ends up taking the diary home and actually reading it and learning a little bit more about what happened in that house and all that stuff and, and I do like Look- the fact that the house was sold at a good price because of the <laughs> events that happened five years earlier, and none of the family knew about it except for Dad. <laughs> of course not. Well, Cheryl, how do you think we got such a good deal in the place? <laughs> I, lo- I love that though. That like, there's actual websites now where like you can see real estate listed as murder houses, you oh, know, yeah, and they, they are all to. substantially discounted. They have to <laughs> yeah. disclose that. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's it's wild to think about. But I love that as a conceit. Here's the one thing I have a problem with, though, that starts to bother me about this film and what it's trying to do. I didn't think that the house was that important. I thought it was the fact that Nancy was one of many of the younger children of the parents who killed him, who he had killed their other children along the way. I didn't think that the house held power or anything and i kind of felt like the movie was trying to tell me because nancy defeated him in the house he's still trapped in the house somewhere Hmm, i kind of felt weird i kind of felt weird about that and i was like i I was gonna see if you thought that about it if that's what the movie was trying to tell us i kind of feel like they were trying to do that but you're saying no no so up until this point my thought was is that based on the events that happened in the first film and everything else that somehow freddie was killed in that house even though they kind of told us that they burned his lab or whatever um it just felt like that and then of course when we get to the factory we find out that blows that theory out of the water so the house doesn't make any sense to me why it matters about the house but that's kind of where they put their eggs in this one and and anyone Uh who moves in there maybe that is the reason maybe because she turned her back in the house and he dissipated he's stuck there i i it's something I that's feel, not explained, and it seems kind yeah. of odd. Let's hang on to that, and if that comes up in a, in a future sequel, we can come back to it. But I want to tell you, I think that's the wrong motivation. I think the idea of when Absolutely. you've got a guy, when you've got a guy that can inhabit you in the dreams, the worst thing to do is confine him to something. I, I and, and if I understand you're confine from, him anywhere. That factory is the place to confine him. 
Right. Yeah. Can we talk about that just for a second? Yes. That factory set is the most amazing set in this film. That was so well done. Yeah. I loved everything about that. The, all the fact that it was like a catacomb to walk through for her at the end and all these different places to go. That factory was awesome. That was a way better set. Jesse's house, Lisa's house, you know, not Lisa's house, Jesse's house and Nancy's house. Who gives a rip? The factory is what they should go with. I, we're in agreement on that. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, that makes the perfect sense. If that's where he was killed, number one, that's where his spirit should be, right? And number two, that place was so important because that's where he kidnapped and killed the 20 kids. Exactly, yes, because they do drop that 20 kids thing again. And I'm like, okay, we've given him a specific body count. And so I've kind of wondered, I'm like, are we ever going to get to see in Freddy when he was killing these 20 kids? Not that I want to see kids killed, but I'm like, are they ever going to tell that you know good backstory? And spoiler alert, no. So, you know, we'll never get that. But they drop that again because it really all Lisa is to do for so much of this film, as much as she's supposed to be would-be girlfriend and all this stuff, she really is the exposition of the film because Jesse's going crazy, so he can't explain anything to us. We just have to watch him go through it. She reads the diary. She figures it out. She pulls stuff up from the newspaper and you know takes Jesse to the the place and to show him that Freddie's really dead and all this. And so what I, what I think is interesting is that there is like nothing except rumors about the girl that lived there before. And I love how they explain away the first part. The mother killed herself on the couch and locked the daughter upstairs. You remember the last, one of the last scenes we got in that last movie was the mother locking up the doors and all that. And basically bolting Nancy inside of it. And that's where everything went down at the end. And I love that that had become the accepted way that that last one went down. And that they do talk about Glenn getting killed across the street, but they don't bother to explain he turned into a gusher of blood. <laughs> well, why would they? <laughs> right. Because well, they can't, right? The it's like he, blood. Yeah. yeah. He just turned into that somehow. Yeah. No, I, I like that, that the, they're referencing back to that. And, and it, you know, it makes sense that that's how it was because we, don't realize at the end of the first film that it's a dream again, right? So it looks like everyone's alive again and everything's happy. But at last we saw mommy was dead. She was locked in her room, blah, 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 right? That's how we right. saw it last before the next dream sequence begins. And we don't know what the hell happens after. <laughs> right, exactly. Because I <laughs> don't is... go back to it other than yes. five years ago, this happened. So, right. And they've, they've moved it forward for that, and that's what we, we get out of it. As far as Lisa goes, though, just for a minute here, I don't know Kim Myers from anything else. I, I think I've seen her in other stuff, but I just never recognized her. But she comes off so much like Meryl Streep, you know, like, like a younger version of this, at least who she looks like. I don't know if she's intending to, but she kind of comes off that way. And I, I don't know. I didn't dislike her as far as horror movie girlfriends go. I thought she was okay. Um, I really hate that they essentially boil her down to just whimpering and crying. And well, she's not a pretty crier by the way. And none of us really are, but she really isn't a pretty crier. And they, <laughs> they get her to just boiling down to, you know, I love you. Jeff. And that's, she's just a puddle of mascara at the end of this. I do think her well, and the parents die for one. Well, I guess. I'm you can tell what I was paying attention to. Yeah, well, yeah, you can tell what I'm sitting here paying attention to at that point. But we'll we'll get to her though. Okay, so I I do like that we we get all this Freddy origin stuff or whatever. But Lisa's got this pool party going on, right? 
And it it may be the lamest pool party ever because dad's out there with like some Lawrence Welk music, right? And flipping burgers and everybody's <laughs> like, yeah. And they're like, then does mom like take him off upstairs to get drunk and fool around or something? Uh, like, yeah. That, uh, that was, I, she says it's time to go upstairs and he gives the, oh yeah, baby. I think she calls him like Bronco or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And I was like, I don't know what's going on at Lisa's <laughs> house, but that is really disturbing. It's her t- Everyone's occupied with the party. It's her time to get her fuck on, you know? <laughs> I didn't realize it got planned out like that. That's but the okay. point. You can <laughs> I totally guess so. tell by her language and everything she does and, and by his reaction. I guess so, because he goes for it, and you know he's drinking Absolutely. a scotch as they're laying down together while the kids are partying it up. So, because uh, I love that the kids like immediately turn on the bad music and start right, like, you know, how rock. stupid is that? The lights go out, yeah, big roars. Yeah. If they're not going to hear it, but you know, mom has what mom. But they has they pay her. they pay that off though, because no, like the dad's her, like mom has what her are they vision, doing? and she's not mm-hmm. going to let daddy get upset about it. <laughs> no, she's, she's getting hurt. She's getting laid. Yeah, yeah I guess he, mom plans this to, out. Oh, so whether he whether he wants it or not, absolutely, <laughs> it's happening. But that's uh, right. But anyway, Jesse is like ready to peace out the party because he's he's not feeling it right, and so Lisa goes to see him in the cabana, and they start going hot and heavy here, right? And we do this thing. Freddie's got this tongue thing. You know, he did the tongue, <laughs> which by to the, the way could have helped him quite well. <laughs> well, I'm not even going there. The the, the uh, you know the last movie the the tongue came out the phone at Nancy, and then yep. this time while he's kissing down Lisa's torso and and towards other places, this huge tongue just sort of falls out of his mouth for her, <laughs> and she doesn't even open her eyes up anything. Like she's like just going for it, right? And he's like, um, excuse me, I'm gonna have to bail now. <laughs> yeah, I like and he, <laughs> yeah, he's gone at that point, right? And he goes to Grady's, right? And yeah. they have this wonderful exchange. <laughs> I, you know, somebody's trying to get me, you know, he's, I'm being possessed. He's going to, he's going to take me out, you know, and Grady's like, yeah, somebody wants you. All right. And she's in a cabana and you want to hang out with me. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a second. How does Grady know she's in the cabana? Because Jesse tells him, he, oh, okay. t- he tells him it was starting to happen Got again it. in the cabana with Lisa. And he looks at him like, you left the cabana with Lisa to come over here and tell me this? Like He gives him a look. So there's yeah, a lot about nuts. it. Yeah. But what we get, though, is the best special effect in the film. Jesse falls asleep and Grady turns out the lights, you know, or whatever. And as Jesse's asleep on this chair over the side, he starts to feel Freddy coming on again or whatever, right? And he, it basically, you know, they, they build him on to the wall and Freddy tears his way out of Jesse before he goes and kills Grady. And the thing is, you know, it's like the last like movie, you, you see, you see the effect of the kill later, but you don't see the kill happen. But what is the seller is the way he tears through out of the Jesse you know, skin that, yeah, it was very alien. It was thing. It was, you know, American werewolf in London. I mean, it's been done a lot of ways, but I'll say this it's the most effective special effect in this movie. Yeah. They did a good job with it. And I like how the, the face, the facial image comes out of the skin and everything. They, I thought they did a really good job with this. And what I really liked too, was as this is all going on and he's screaming, right? The parents are trying to get in there locked out. They can't open the door. 
to get into the room right. while all this is happening. Um, it was just a, it was well done without actually showing any gratuity on it. Uh, they, they are any graphics. Um, they really did a good job painting a frightening look. picture. Oh, look, you hear him getting torn apart in there and then you see the aftermath of it. I mean, what you see are knife fingers coming through the door and then Grady's bloody body after it's, it's all over. Right. But it tells us something too about Freddie and it, it is a bit of a horror movie convention, but when he's going to get the kill on or whatever, he can keep the room like bulged in he keeps it locked like that door is buckling and all kinds of stuff but they can't get it open and they have no idea what is happening it's yeah. it's a effective sequence in terms of like being scary actually and then the part that really pissed me off <laughs> <laughs> freddie just goes and jumps out the window yeah that was a bit of an anti-climactic i was unit, like what right? the hell but then yeah it, it gets paid off afterwards but at the at, when that first happened i'm like why wouldn't he stick around and kill some more people? Why would he just bail? Hey, well, like, what are they going to do to him? <laughs> well, what what we know is that he's not interested at all in Grady's parents. Obviously. So, yeah. yeah. Or the maybe kill, he's afraid of them because they were part of the group that killed him. Who knows? Maybe so. We don't know. We don't know. But he shows back up at the at the party, right? Yeah. And, and then... And my oh, notes are, oh, that's more like it. <laughs> yeah, all heck breaks loose at the at the party, right? We you know, he's turning over the grill, lighting stuff on fire, there's heating people getting the cut pool. left and right. Yeah, heating up the pool, people getting cut up left and right. You're all my children now. That's a great and line. Then by we the way. get the dude who thinks he's <laughs> he can solve all problems, the negotiator. Cool man, just chill out, man. We could we could, we could work this out. What the hell, dude? <laughs> well, but but what? Help yourself, and he just gets cut to pieces, right? I mean, yeah. That, it, but again, that's that's an archetype of the time that horror movie audiences would have been like, yeah, that guy should buy it because that I know that guy. He's my council president or whatever, and I hate him. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's what it seems like. It's going on. The, the thing anything. about this that 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 blows my mind is like Freddie has the opportunity to kill everybody here but what interrupts him dad lisa's dad runs out there with a shotgun because we didn't even talk about it. like he's chased lisa through the house at this point right and, and you know he's he's come after her a bunch yeah. and then you know he's out there at the party goers dad comes up with a shotgun and lisa stops dad from shooting freddie which and again, he runs makes off me at that think point that everyone sees jesse not freddie See, that's what I was wondering, because at that point, we see the point of view of a lot of characters, and they're showing us Freddy. It's a mistake in the film. It's one of those things, they, they needed to have a shot where just one angle of it was it was Mark Patton with that glove on. Yeah. Right? Because then that would have sold that, but they didn't do that. I agree. So I'm confused. That's what I'm saying. Like, this has got potential, but it doesn't work. Yeah, because why would she stop yeah. her dad from shooting him if it wasn't Jesse? Right, I, I Exactly. Know. Well, unless she knows that Jesse's been inhabited by him, like she, well, no, he she, comes she has no when he comes. That. Well, she does though, because when he comes back to the house, you know, Jesse comes back to the house in Jesse form, covered in blood, and says, "I killed Grady. I've oh, seen it yeah, happen." Yeah. And then, then Freddie emerges from him again, not nearly as cool the second time around because they've already blown that effect. So why do it twice? <laughs> but they, they've done that, you know. So she's seen it happen now. Okay. So she knows that what he's well, been saying be. is true. So maybe yeah. they all do see Freddie. I don't know. To me, it'd be a lot yeah. cooler if they they saw Jesse instead of Freddie. You know. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm with you. I would have been better if if it was a she had heard, like she, maybe Jesse had run into the house or something, and she, you know, thought um, 
she was just talking to him through a door or something, and then Freddy comes out the door at her. You know, but it, or if they did cut back and forth like we're talking about, much smarter version of this script. Well, uh, than was to there, me, it so. would make some sense that she could see him as Freddy because she knows all the details right. about him and all that. But everyone else, I think, would probably see him as Jesse. I don't know. I would think so if they if they were playing it fully for that, but they're not because look, they know our star again is Robert England. It's Freddy. We've got to get him out here, and so he's loose now at this point, and he's on his way, and Lisa. Goes back to the source of Freddy's death, the big boiler room. And we talked about that set already and how great it looked. How about those freaky dogs with like those faces on them? Yeah, what the hell was awesome. that, man? Yeah. That I, I felt like I was watching a Rob Zombie music video or something. Like that was just creepy. <laughs> I put down that they were pretty wicked cool dogs. <laughs> Wouldn't mind very, having very those as my guard you. dogs. I'll tell you that. Although they well, didn't do a very good job guarding the place. They just barked at I was going to say, <laughs> they just look weird. But, like, you know, she's being infected at that point, too, because she's got a cut on her leg at that point. Yeah. And it looks maggot infested, and then it's not, you know, and all this stuff. And so Freddie's messing with her, too. Obviously, it's but, a magical place right now, right? There's a lot of things that yeah. go on. He's got power to make you see things that aren't there, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's all shape-shifting and illusions with Freddie for the most part. Until he gets down to those knives, which are most assuredly not fake. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, but he's messing with her again. Because we talked about it last time. Freddy will play with his food, you know, and he doesn't mind doing that and and goofing around with her like that. And I kind of like that they were setting up here. But what they set up for, Brian, I have to say, this is awful. Okay, we talked about I teased it earlier. Okay, I am on record if you've listened to the Art of Slaying, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. All seven seasons, by the way, still available out there, so listen to it if you want to. But it, I was not a fan of season six, and I particularly hated that at the end of season six, spoiler alert, the big bad or bad moment or whatever gets conquered by somebody telling somebody else that they love them over and over and over again. And that's basically what happens here, except she makes out with him, too, and I, then he starts to cross. Yeah. I don't want to rehash the argument about the big bad of season six because we disagree wholeheartedly <laughs> on that. It was not Indeed. Willow. Um, that wasn't the big bad. Whatever. We'll move on. But I get your, your coincidence here with what's going on with Freddy. I hate how they did this. I mean, f- what does Freddy give a rat's ass about love for? Right. What would he, he care? was He's a sadistic murder. child murderer. Yeah. Yes. So the fa- – and, and – and, oh. It just drove me nuts because you could see Robert uh, Robert Eglin played it well. The expressions on his face like, oh, crap, something's happening. I, I just hated it. I didn't like how it was. I would have rather her try to get Jesse to come out. Just, Jesse, you can beat him. You can fight him. Fight him. Well, come out. Here's the him. thing. She's done that, and he's lost. So but when she professes her going, love to just him. Just because well, you failed once doesn't mean you mm-hmm. don't keep trying. The well, love I know, thing but- – Having love be part of the solution is fine, but not the actual way, <laughs> the answer. Like, I, I uh. feel like, and I don't have proof of this again, but I feel like they were near the end of production. They, the, you know, the budget again was, was more, but it wasn't everything. They didn't have, you know, every resource available and they were running out of time and money. And they probably looked at that and said, eh, it's not the greatest ending, but. Ah, who cares? We're going to tag a nightmare on the end of this anyway. I, I feel I, like I, they... I, I think that they were going this route all along the way. They set up Jesse and Lisa's relationship. I, okay. To, to me, it's just... Uh, I, it, 
I would have much rather her motivated him to fight against Freddy and get his life back than to sit there and be like, oh, I love you, I love you, and cower in the corner. <laughs> and suddenly, all of a sudden, well, Freddy bursts because love well, we get, kills him. We get the reverse of what happened in Grady's room 20 minutes before. We get Jesse, who's still inside of there. I know there's good in you, Father. You know, there's our Star Wars reference here. <laughs> and he breaks out from beneath well, because she's able to, to relate to him and he's able to defeat Freddy that way. But I don't think he breaks out. I think that Freddy crumbles and he just comes out of the shell. Well, yeah, he's what's left on the floor. Right. You're right. He doesn't break out. He is what's left on the floor. It, and to me, it's almost like he wasn't even bothering to try. She just somehow conquered Freddy, and Freddy dissipated, and then he's out. It was so to me anticlimactic and and just the well, wrong move. But here's the thing: I, I do think they try to fix this, if you will, or maybe this was the plan all along, was, well, it's going to end the same way the first one did. We're going to end on a nightmare again. And what you realize that, well, the possession angle didn't work for Freddy, so now he's just going back to the old way of doing it, which is driving people crazy through their nightmares, and maybe he's going to kill them all on the bus now, because... That second bus ride, it comes out of nowhere, really. It should be telegraphed to you, though, because Jesse has a car. He drives. Yeah. He doesn't ride the bus except in the dream. Well, so when he gets back maybe at the one of the Maybe the deadly dinosaur is dead. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed to be running pretty good for Lisa. She parked it out in front of the you know uh, burnout uh, warehouse or whatever. But yeah, yeah no, I, I thought they tried to fix something that maybe they didn't like about the end with this ending, but... I'm going to tell you now, I don't think it works. I think this ending feels like, let's do that thing at the end of the last one again, because that's just what we need to do. Yeah, because we need to end it the same way. It's just keep a theme going, right? I guess. I, I mean, know. what is the theme? Is that My, you never you never can defeat the bad guy? Because that gets old. If you, if you tell me, like, growing up playing video games and stuff, if you could never beat it, then what did you do? Yeah, you quit playing it. Yeah, <laughs> you just true, moved man. on. And that I kind of feel like this franchise is doing that to me. And maybe that's, you know, at the time when I would have seen this, it would have been, what, 1986, 87 on video. I was maybe 10 or so. So I, I would have been in that, that age range of stuff like, you know, I'm kind of done with that. I'm going to move on do something else for a little while until I can figure out how to get E.T. home or what the heck ever I was doing. Well, any time that your movie franchise has multiple, multiple movies and the and the bad guy is killed in every freaking one of them, you just know that he's not dead, right? I mean... Well, right. well yeah, I mean, we, well, we already talked about, the thing that was different with this one was he starts out dead. He's always dead. Like, Freddy yeah, is yeah. dead. So it's, it's more of a matter, can you defeat him? Can yeah. you get past him? Can you survive? And the ending of these first two movies is to lead us to believe that... Even if you survive the worst part of it, well, he's just going to come back and get you again. You know, that there's no yeah. getting away. It's true. I mean, when you have seven films, <laughs> you know, he's coming <laughs> back every time. But hey, it's, uh, it, yeah, it, they're, they're going to bring it out. The question yeah. at the end of this film was why Jesse was not in jail. I know. You I can don't link know. Him to every one of those mm -hmm. deaths. <laughs> again, the end of the movie, though, if the end of the movie is a dream, is a nightmare if you will, then maybe that's his nightmare from prison. I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's all Lisa's what, nightmare. Maybe, maybe it is. It might as well have been for the way yeah. that they sold it. Because they don't explain it. That's the thing. This movie, his third act doesn't explain enough. And that's, that, that, I think it drags it down. At least it does It for does, me. yeah. We're at the point of the podcast where it's time to get final thoughts, recommendations, popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge? You know, Jay, I, I actually didn't mind watching this film. Um, I remember it wasn't one of the better of the Freddy movies, but I didn't 
ever feel like I wanted to turn it off. And that's a good thing. Um, I thought it flowed fairly decently. Yeah, the ending was stupid, but I liked the idea that they went with that Freddie is trying to take over a corporeal body to do his bidding. I think that's a, a decent, uh, plot to go with more so than killing people in their nightmares right i mean it seems kind of odd but this seems a little better like he's a spirit trying to get you to do his work i like the concept i thought they hit on a bunch of things and i thought they missed on a bunch of things but overall i was at least entertained by the movie so for me i'm actually going to give it a medium popcorn i think it's not as bad as people may think or remember and it'd be worth watching if you wanted to I think this movie has gained a better status in recent years with people as people have revisited it because you're saying what what I want to say too in summation. The concept here is really good. It's a great idea. It's not always executed at the best way. Like in some ways I almost wish we could get another shot at this idea with Freddy. I don't think they'll ever go back to it again, but I like the idea of Freddy as a possession angle and, and playing it that way. And that everything that the guy does and everyone he kills and stuff is some sort of a manifestation of things he's already shown you. That's the, I was a teenage werewolf thing. They found a, a young man with violent tendencies and they turned him into a werewolf and he did exactly what they thought he would do, which was go and kill a lot of people. And they had to put him down at the end. And I thought this movie wanted to be that, and then it just shot away at the end. The ending of this one is so clunky that I it just bugs me because it could be so much more. And I'm going to give it medium popcorn, too. It's worth watching, yes. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's okay. It's not bad. But I think if you're really watching this, you're going to find yourself a tad frustrated with it because of its potential. Yeah. You know, I, oftentimes I'll give movies a medium popcorn because they look good enough and they work well enough and the concepts there, but they just don't execute it the right way. I feel the same way about this one. Like the idea is great. They just screw it up. Like they just didn't get it out. Right. It wasn't fully baked. Maybe they were in rushed, you know, probably, probably was, but I do know this, they go away from almost everything about this one going forward. Like there's almost nothing that gets held onto in the future of the series. So even they thought at new line and eh, we don't need to follow up on this. And, uh, Again, it turned me off of the Freddy franchise for a long time because I don't think I understood it when I saw it as a younger kid. And it, I don't think I really understood it uh, until a few viewings. I think this is the kind of film you, you got to watch a few times to really get. And in the horror world, that's not something people do. People do review, repeat viewings, not so they can think more about it, just because it, it's fun to watch. So I think that's why this one didn't uh, launch a, you know, a new string of things for Freddy. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Jay. I Folks, thanks for joining us from this latest episode of Film Strip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. Of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also find our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective where you can go and listen to Brian and I mostly agree about Buffy, but totally disagree in season six if you want to, as we've, we've already talked about. Uh, again, on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com. Just look for the link that says Buffy. Again, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell other people about it. We appreciate your support. We'll be back for A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors yes. next time with Brian's least favorite band, Dockin, um, <laughs> bringing, a, bringing a theme song to us. But until that time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Film Strip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. 
You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Film Strip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.